Good morning. Good morning. I think we got a few more here today. That's fantastic. Last week, when we got started, I had everybody stand and, and greet somebody. And then, last, and then throughout the week, you were supposed to pray for those people. I'm hoping that you did that. I think it worked because, you know, we got a lot of, a lot of people here. And, and uh, I want to do that again. But the, the, the trick this time, you have to meet somebody or greet somebody you didn't greet last week. So it's funny, you turn them loose, and here they go, they go running. So stand up, greet your neighbor, tell them that you're glad to see them, you're glad they're here at church, but try to find somebody that uh, you didn't talk to last week. There you go. <laughs> All right. What's that? Okay, church is over. You guys have a great day. No? Well, hopefully you uh, got a chance last week to, to pray for, your, for people that you met. And I'd like to encourage you to do so again this week. All right, I want to... Be, See us being a church that really prays for each other, prays for the direction of the church. We have some uh, you know, big things in store here in a, in a month or so. We've got the car show. That sort of has become our signature community event. And uh, I'd like to thank Jason for all his hard work in that. Um, I don't know anything about car shows. I know even less about cars. So I think last year I asked Jason, do you think my... Uh, what was it, a, an O2 Dodge Durango would, would look good sitting right in there, and he looked at me like, are you, are you like three eyeballs or something there? But it's not just the cars, it's the ability to make the thing come together and to get the sponsors and to get the organization and to know all the little things that you got to do to put on an event like this. And so, Jason, I want to thank you for your efforts in that because there's nothing I could do. Um, I always believe God raises people up from within the church to take care of needs as they arise, and uh, we're blessed to, to have you and, and your family, and thank you for that. Well, this week, uh, I was thinking about, uh, you know, what to, what to speak on, and, and I noticed throughout the week in my own home, in my, my own family, patience seems to have been the, the theme of the week, everybody learning to... Be patient with one another. Uh, trying to be patient with uh, this and that, and everybody getting irritated at each other for things. Uh, my son text messaged me, says, you need to tell Cody and Kayla and Kayla to pick up their clothes out of the bathroom because they're, they're, there's so many clothes in there, it's blocking the door. And it's like, why don't you tell him? You know, okay. All right, so there's that, and then, my son Cody bought himself a, a drone. He's an engineering student. They're doing flight things, and so he, he got one. He had it 10 minutes before he crashed the thing, and he was furious. Just threw a fit. 
And uh, the, the thing about that is, you know, he, he lifted that thing up in the air, probably five stories high. And he hovered up over a tree, and he says, I wonder if these things automatically avoid obstacles. There's a button on there called fly home or something. So he hits that button, that thing starts flying around, and, and it sure enough, it, it flew right back. The only problem is it tried to fly right through a tree to, to get to us. It was probably from here to, to Reese, and that thing hit the tree, and it just fell. <laughs> and we all just stood there and watched it, just kind of... <laughs> Boom! The thing hit, and my son was, ah, and he threw a fit. Well, thankfully, the thing wasn't broken too bad, and we got it patched back up. But I'm like, my goodness, you, you got to have a little bit of patience here. You know, we'll get it fixed. Just relax. Ah, it was, you know, all out of control. And when I was a uh, young teacher, I always used to have fun with the kids. Somebody found out that I had been was born in Germany. Okay, so I we lived in Germany for a year or so, year and a half, I think. And no, I don't really remember much about living in Germany. I have one memory, and it was of my mother ordering a pizza. And in Germany, when you got your pizza, you opened the box, they they cracked an egg over the, the pizza. So you had a little egg in there. Everybody's like, that's nasty. But the kids at school always knew that if they got me really mad, I would start counting in, in German. I don't know why I'd do it. I just did. And so they'd start, you could, oh, I could always tell when they were scheming, you know, something would get going. They'd finally get me mad, and I'd be like, you guys need to settle down over there. We're going to get this thing going. Oh, Mine's fine. Drive here. Oh, that's just these good money kinder get, get married to house of gamma. And they're like, yeah! And they love it. Because they got me all fired up and they thought that was great fun. It's because patience is definitely not one of my virtues. I'm not a very patient person. I wish I was more patient. But I'm thankful that throughout the Bible there are many examples of people who are who dealt with patience. Some more patient than others. So if you're not a very patient person, you know, some of these may make sense to you. Uh, if you're very patient, likewise. Of course, Abraham. You think about Abraham, uh, the father of, you know, of everything. Father Abraham and the, the whole bit. Of, our whole uh, Church of God, Abrahamic uh, faith, based on his, some of his beliefs, his life. God promised to Abraham he'd be the father of many nations. But when that promise was first given, Abraham and his wife, they didn't have any children. And so God would restate that promise to Abraham throughout the years, and they just kept getting older and older. And... But Abraham was a man of faith, and you know he, he believed God that that would happen. Now, they weren't very patient. I think they ran out of patience. In fact, Sarah said, look, you know, why don't you just, let's just hurry this along. Take my handmaiden here. You guys go do your thing, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll make a son. Sure enough, that's what they did. The son's name was Ishmael, but he was not the son God intended for Abraham. That didn't happen until Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was probably in her 90s. God gave them their son, Isaac. And it took years of waiting, but the, 
You know, we don't like to be patient. Can you blame them? I mean, they're getting older, they're getting older. Like, God promised us a son. <laughs> Man, you know, past about 80 years old, you're thinking, I don't know. I think maybe God's messing with us or something here. Hebrews 6, verse 15 says about Abraham, and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise, the promise of his son. Joseph, Joseph's brother sold him as a slave. He didn't understand all that was happening, but he trusted God that God would work out his plans in his own time. He waited for God to fulfill his promise that Joseph would be a leader of his people. Remember as a kid he was having those dreams and he said, you know, I think I'm supposed to end up being a leader someday. Well, they sold him into slavery. He had to be patient as he believed God. That's kind of hard to be patient when you're, you're sitting in a prison cell. <laughs> this isn't exactly the way I envisioned this to happen. You know, a great leader of people, but I'm sitting in jail here. What the, what's the deal? But God did lift Joseph up. He gave him great power, great responsibility. Not only was he a leader of his own people, but he ruled over the people of Egypt. Patience was needed to allow God to accomplish his purpose in the life of Joseph and his family. Have you ever been asked to be patient? It's not fun. One time I was diabetic for one whole day. <laughs> Went to the doctor, got a blood test. They sent me the results. Mr. Tullis, you're diabetic. I'm like, what? You're diabetic. I'm thinking, well, it doesn't surprise me. It runs in my family. So, so they talked about it. They got me all scheduled up. I was going to take these classes, learn how to you know, be a diabetic, I guess, and the things you can eat and not eat and... So I spent the day planning that and had this thing all worked out. And the next day they called back, oh, sorry about that. That was a false positive. You're not diabetic, Mr. Tullis. I'm thinking, wow, I just spent a whole day being diabetic, <laughs> making plans for it, trying to, you know. But I wasn't very patient with that. I spent that whole day just fretting and fussing and worrying about it. It all came to nothing. The Bible is filled with people who, uh, who dealt with the idea of being patient. Many times when God asks us to demonstrate our faith, it requires patience on our part to do that. Kids today often find it difficult to understand Patience, if you have young kids or grandchildren, teenage children, whatever, a lot of times uh, it's difficult to, uh, for them to understand what it means to really be patient. They live in a culture today where so much is supplied to them almost immediately. Not always, but usually without too much hassle. Um, it's interesting, my son, he went ballistic when his drone blew up. The reason he, he went ballistic, because he paid for it. If I'd have paid for it, he probably would have went, oh, wow, man, that was a bad wreck. Oh, well, let's, let's go play some games. You know. He shelled out big bucks of his own for that. So when the thing crashed and burned, well, you know, hey, 
Of course, when you work hard and you save and you earn something, it matters to you if you, if you lose that. In sports, we talk about winning and losing all the time. And, you know, we want to impart to the kids, of course, winning's not everything. It's, it's the, the, how you work at it. It's how you, uh, what, what can you accomplish through that? But the bottom line is, on the other hand, losing stinks. Period. Losing is not fun. And it's those kids who work the hardest who have the biggest problem with losing. The more that you invest in your uh, sport or your music or whatever it is you find yourself involved with, the, the harder it is to accept defeat. Some kids don't care to lose. It used to frustrate me when I... Played football. We play up at Graham. You got to have a lot of heart to play football at Graham because you get smacked around a lot. I was a I was a running back, which meant I got tattooed about every time I got the ball. And after getting beat up for four quarters after the game, you'd, you'd slog back to the locker room, and I'd sit there in my chair like, ugh. And everybody else, a lot of people be laughing and carrying on. Hey, what are you doing tonight? Right out the door. And I'm sitting there like, ugh, I hate you people. Don't you care? I just went out there and got myself killed for, you know, for what? And it used to bother me. Not because I was any good. I really wasn't that good. But I put a lot into it. The more you invest in something, the more you care about it. It's like that in life. The more you put into your marriage, the more you put into your relationships, you're going to fight for that when, time, when the time comes. The more that you invest in your church, the more that you invest in the fellowship of the people of the church, when times get tough, the more you're going to dig in and try to become successful. That takes a lot of patience to see it through. Perhaps the greatest example of patience was our Lord Jesus himself. If you have your Bibles today, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Now Hebrews is in the New Testament. For those of you who are still learning where things are in the Bible. Okay. Hebrews is in the New Testament about halfway through. And we don't know for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Many people think Paul wrote it. Um, but it's a, it's a very important book. And there's a, a great section in here that talks about you know, what makes some of these people of the Old Testament and such so important people. It's because they had faith. They had great faith. Now, Hebrews chapter 12 talks about Jesus being a great example of, of patience and and what faith really is. One of the central themes of the book of Hebrews is to give witness to the value and the blessings of living by faith. These heroes of faith got rid of everything holding them back and fully embraced faith as the key element of their salvation. When it all came down to it, what saved these people was, was their faith. Okay? Well, let's, let's read here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance 
and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. If you've ever been in a race, it takes a lot of endurance. Jesse's a, a runner. I asked her last week, how, how, many miles, how many miles do you get in about a week? She has no idea. She just runs. We just run. 30, 30, 40, somewhere in there. That's a lot of running. Okay, I time myself and how long it takes to run to the uh, refrigerator and back. All right. Jesse's running miles and miles. I mean, that's like running to Cincinnati and back every week or something. Anyways, the trick to running a lot of times, it's, it's the endurance. And Jesus, apparently here, the writer is going to sort of make a case here. We got to get rid of everything that weighs us down. When runners run, they don't wear a lot of big, thick uniforms and heavy equipment. Get rid of everything that, that, that holds you back and run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus is the ultimate example of what a person of faith should be. And what I, the, the thing I want to really focus in on here is the patience of Christ. And when I was a little kid, I didn't know how patient Jesus was. I mean, he burst into the temple and he knocked the tables over and he chased them out with a whip and a lot of things. So I, I always had this idea Jesus was a man in a hurry. He didn't have patience. Well, I've come to find that's totally not true. Jesus was very patient with people. Even upon the cross, Jesus demonstrates patience. I've, I've read through this passage many, many times and I've missed it every time until just recently when I ran across this. In verse 2 again, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That word endured. He endured it. Have you ever endured anything? You ever lay in the dentist chair? You're just laying there. you got to endure it. you just got to deal with it. Put up with it. Just got to endure it. Jesus endured the cross and endured the hostility of sinners. Verse 3. Now imagine a moment the cross. I should have saved this for communion sometime. Think about the cross, the pain, the suffering. I mean, for Jesus' um, sacrifice to mean anything, for sin, to fully be vanquished. He had to become sin himself. And it had to be destroyed upon the cross. That was no joyful experience for, for our Lord. He endured it. He put up with it. He did not hurry it along. He didn't skip out on it. He didn't call down angels to rescue him. There was no shortcut. He had to take... 
the last full measure on the cross. He took it all. He did this because forgiveness of sin required it. But also, verse 3, he endured the cross and he endured the hostility by sinners. I mean, there were people there laughing at him, probably throwing things at him. He did that, verse 3, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus demonstrates the ultimate willingness to suffer in obedience to God. I've suffered some things, but I, I really I don't know that I've ever really suffered for my faith in Christ. I had my friends make fun of me in high school. That's nothing compared to what Christ did on the cross for me, for you. He faced hostility. He endured it. In doing so, he provides the ultimate example of patiently waiting for the will of God to be complete. Waiting for the will of God to be complete in my life requires a lot of patience that I don't have sometimes. I want things now. I want things to be revealed to me right now. God, why can't you do this right now? And God's, it's almost as if God says, not yet. You got to wait. Just, just hang in there. I mean, Christ on the cross, as he was there, as he was dying, as he was suffering. I'm, he never once yelled out, you know, God, please get this over with. No, he endured it to the end as it was meant to be. My uh, great-grandmother on, my, on the tallest side, this isn't the grandma I'm always telling you about, but Grandma Tallis was a wonderful lady, and uh, when her, or, you know, i got to work on my English here. <laughs> Anyways, when uh, my grandmother and my grandfather hit in their mid-80s, that's when their health suddenly rapidly declined. And my uh, grandfather, who was a big man, he's bigger than I was, just stocky, and uh, he had some sort of a, I think it was a stroke or something had happened where he lost a lot of strength. And my mom and I would go over and try to help take care of him. And one time, I was probably 17, 18 maybe, I had to help my grandfather um, use the restroom and, and take care of him afterwards. I mean, the whole thing. For him, that was incredibly embarrassing. It was very humiliating. But it was something that, that had to be done. And I was able to do that and to help. My mother and I took care of that. And the whole time I'm thinking, how can my grandmother take care of you? My grandmother, she's tiny. How is she going to lift you up off the floor if you fall? How is she going to help you do any of this stuff? And I remember my mom asked her, says, have you thought about, you know, what are we going to do? And my grandmother, who was not a very religious lady, she looked up and she said, I have asked God for strength. And she left it at that. Basically, I have asked God to give me strength to endure this season of time. Now, my grandfather would be, he would, 
he passed away within two or three weeks, I think. So thankfully he didn't suffer for very long. And my grandmother got through it somehow. Uh, I, God blessed her, gave her strength to endure what was going on. And to do that with a sense of dignity that I've never seen. It was just amazing to me. Hebrews 12 says of Jesus' death on the cross that it was something he endured. While his crucifixion was for our salvation, the Bible also says this death is an example for our lives when we're worn down during our daily tasks. Think about Hebrews 12. When we're tired of people making fun of our faith, think about Hebrews 12. Kids, when you're at school and you're tired of people making fun of you or you're tired of having to make choices that don't seem to be any fun, think about Hebrews 12. Jesus patiently endured what was required to be obedient to God. He not only died for our sins, he died to show us this is what obedience is. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. That's where Christian character is born, in the crucible of hardship. It's easy to be a Christian and get spoiled when it doesn't cost you anything. Seth used to, every once in a while, he'd throw out a little statement. He probably got it from his dad, but... He said something like, you know, that's a problem with Christians today. Nobody's trying to kill them in this country. It's easy to be a Christian in this country. We cry about, oh, it's a, you know, they don't like Christians. and they're... I haven't had anybody come to my house and try to persecute me yet for my faith. I still have freedom of religion. I can still come to church. I can still worship freely. What does it really cost me to be a Christian? Have I had to patiently endure or suffer for the glory of Christ? Now, I'm not saying all of us need to go out and, baby, we got to suffer this week. I don't want anybody to suffer. But that real patience that we endure for the suffering of Christ... That's where the Spirit is. That's where the Holy Spirit is, the power of God to, to help us. Patience is actually one of the fruits of the Spirit. If you turn to Galatians, we're going to wrap this up here with Galatians chapter 5. Galatians would be just back a little bit from Hebrews, so if you, you're new with the Bible, you're at Hebrews, go back a chapter or two. You'll find Galatians. Galatians this is a, a church, it's a place. And Paul wrote a letter to the Galatian people. So this is the letter, Galatians. Chapter 5, verse 22. Chapter 5 talks about walking in the Spirit. What does that mean, walking by the Spirit? What is the Spirit? When I was little, they always called it the Holy Ghost. What's the Holy A ghost? We got ghosts in this religion? That's cool. I like ghosts and stuff. That sounds pretty... Pretty weird, kind of spooky, though. The Holy Ghost. Well, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, it's simply God's Spirit, God's power working through us. God is all-powerful. 
And when we're plugged in and connected to God, we can draw upon that power to fuel our lives. And in Galatians, uh, start at verse 22, we have what's called the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, the things that the Spirit can provide you, is love, joy, peace, patience, there it is, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Man, I could use a healthy dose of all of those. And I find that when I cut myself off from God, when I refuse to allow myself to be, to be obedient. I don't read my Bible. I don't feel like it. Well, guess what? I, I, I sort of give up the privilege of drawing upon God's power to work in my life. I don't love like I should. I don't have a sense of joy. There's a restlessness, not a peace. I'm definitely not very patient with people. I can be kind of mean-spirited if I want. I'm definitely not very good. I'm not demonstrating faithfulness. I'm not very gentle when I want my way all the time. I certainly don't have any self-control. If I want those things, I have to be plugged in to the Holy Spirit. But patience, here in verse 22, is simply the ability to endure injuries inflicted by others and the willingness to accept irritating or painful situations. We've all had situations in our life that are just flat out irritating. It can be painful. Russ has often talked about his back problems. I have had back troubles. I got what they call it the tallest back. I mean, we all got it. We all walk around like this. Heck, Kayla's got it. Cody's got it. We're just sort of like, well, that's, that's the tallest back, man. You're just going to have to live with it. And uh, it can be a nuisance. It can be painful. But it's a part of life. My current, uh, when I came in this morning, uh, the ladies were talking about, uh, I forget, something about being old. Somebody said, well, you're just old. Oh, we're talking about John, I think, in your, your, your foot. Somebody told you, well, you're just old. That's, that's the problem. Your foot hurts. And I said, wow, thanks a lot, Doc, or whoever would have said such a thing. I gave you all this money for that diagnosis. Gee, thanks. Well, I'm going on 50, and my eyesight's not what it used to be. And it's irritating. I love to read. And I sit down in my chair and... If I have my glasses on, the way they're set up now, I can't read. It's, they just don't quite. So I take my glasses off, and if I hold the book about right here, it's perfect. Then my arms get all tired. and all. So I, I lay it down on my lap, and now we're, now we're blurry again. So then I move it over here. and it, i got beady, squinty little eyes anyway, so sometimes it's hard to. But uh, it's, a, it's a nuisance. It's irritating. I got to have patience to learn how to deal with it. So how can I build patience? How can I become a more patient person? Well, there are some different things we can try. Um, of course, the way our brains are constructed, you know that our brains are really three, 
I said, I have Joey come up here and explain all this, and Morgan, they can explain the brain probably a lot better than I could. But you got the brain, and it's really like three brains, three stories to the brain. You got the, the brain stem, and, and the, that's sort of like the reptile brain. Okay, you see a reptile running around, you know, and that's a lot of like just basic life support, and, and you know, got to eat, and you got to reproduce, and you got to do it. Well, that's, that's your reptile brain. And then on top of that is like the midbrain. That's like emotions and memories, forming memories. And then you've got the big part of the brain, the cerebrum. That's where all the thinking is and all of that. Well, many times when we are so impatient, it's because we're relying on our reptile brain. We're running around like a bunch of reptiles. All right, you know, on a, you know, and, and in some ways, the old reptilian brain, its job is to protect us, you know, physically and help us survive. And but it has nothing to do with emotions and and whether it's things are good or bad or, or those kind of things. So the first thing, to, if you really want to deal with patience, besides getting plugged into the Word of God and relying on God's Holy Spirit to give you patience. I think it's to get in touch with this addictive quality of some of the things that are opposite of patience. Anger, irritation, blaming, shaming, the things we just kind of do automatically. That's the reptile brain kicking in. Hey, you, you took my stuff. Oh, come here, man. It's flip on YouTube and watch some of the idiot videos where they're, they fight each other, they do something stupid. Uh, that's reptile brains running around. Right? They're not thinking at all. Automatically falling into those kind of reactions. That's to give up control of your higher brain function and choosing to succumb to your reptile brain. One of the things that in psychology that and in uh, behavioral science that they've talk about is to teach people to actively push pause. Press pause. In other words, before you act, stop, press pause, think about what you're going to do, and then do it. See, we're different than animals. We have this little ability there to, between stimulus and response, we have this thing called uh, thought, thinking. Decision making. You can make a decision. Okay, dogs. My dog doesn't have that. Okay, my dog. It's stimulus response. I, I put food down in the bowl. Eats the food. Doesn't worry about it. If the dog got off the chain, ran down the road, made puppies with the neighbor dog, he don't care. He come home. He wouldn't care. Oh, I made puppies today. Yeah, big deal. That's what dogs do. I'm a dog. He doesn't brag about it. He doesn't worry about it. That's why I tell the kids, you want to be better than a dog, fella. You know, you know. You have this little thing called thinking, your brain. Yeah, you might feel stimulated. And you want to respond, man, but you've got this thing called making a choice that you're able to do. Push, pause before you act. And sometimes that takes practice to get to that point where you can do that.
I, uh, my old principal one time accused me of stealing pop out of the concession stand. No, it was bottled water. I was stealing bottled water out of the concession stand. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't steal things out of the concession stand. Yeah, but, but there was somebody who saw you come out of there with a bottled water. And I'm like, let's look at the evidence. And I'm already wanting to reach over the desk and throttle him. All right, that's not good. And, uh, okay, let's look at the tape. Here I am on the tape coming out of the thing with a bottled water. I said, sir, it is 15 minutes before track meet. It's about 100 degrees outside. You got to stay hydrated. I went in there and got some water. And guess what? If you look in the change thing, I put a whole dollar in there to pay for it. <laughs> you know, I even, yeah, but you came out with, it doesn't matter what that. It didn't matter to argue with him. He was convinced I stole water out of the thing. I'm like, no, I went in there, I paid for it. Anyways, rather than reaching over the desk and going, I didn't steal it, you know, I push pause, think, patience, 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 and then chose how to respond. That takes practice to be able to do that. So many of us have the belief that being comfortable is the only state that we should tolerate. That this is the only acceptable way for us to exist. All of us, I think, as we get older, we realize that being comfortable is it's a passing state. I wish I could stay comfortable all the way to the end of the race. But that's not the way it is. I have to learn how to be Patient in the midst of whatever circumstance that I find myself in. When, when Christ suffered on the cross, he didn't spend his final moments complaining about how bad it was. Man, this is horrible. I can't believe y'all put me up here. I'm innocent. He didn't complain about it. What did he focus on as he, lay, as he was nailed to the cross? His thoughts were... Let me... Let me talk to this thief over here. Maybe he one day could be in the kingdom of God as well. Maybe I could talk to God about forgiving these people. Maybe I can get John to take care of my mother. Those are the thoughts that Christ had as he was on the cross. Not how unbearable the pain was. Not how, um, how awful it was. How unfair it was. Even Jesus understood that pain has its purpose. It pushes us to find solutions. It pushes us into obedience sometimes. Well, ultimately... As I thought about it, what would be the situation that would require the most patience? And for me, um, for our family growing up, it was waiting for a loved one to accept Christ. That a loved one, they've not been saved. They do not know Jesus. And as a parent, as a friend, as a child looking up at a parent... 
asking God, when? When when will they be saved? When will they make a decision for Christ? That takes supreme patience. I got lucky. All of my kids entered the waters of baptism. Three of them at once. My other son, Cody, was like, I'm not ready yet. About a year or so later, he too wanted to be baptized. Now, some of them are more involved in church than others. But all four of my kids believe in Jesus and his mercy. I've done a lot of bad things in life, but I can't tell you what a blessing it is to look at God and say, you know what, I've screwed up so many ways, but thank you, God. I don't have to worry about those kids. Growing up, I had to worry about my dad. He was not a Christian. He used to make fun of Christians. Um, Used to drive him crazy, I think, when I was a uh, teenager, and I was listening to Petra and Whiteheart, and Dad's like, man, why don't you get some Leonard Skinner going here? Why don't we listen to, you know, we got the Eagles. I know he shook his head more than once when I, I took my Bible and I would go out and sit in the woods and would read the Bible. He just kind of like, oh, whatever. He used to tell me, you better hang on to your girl there. She's a good girl. I mean, she's got you reading the Bible. She can't be all that bad. It was something he had, he had no clue what he was, you know, any of this stuff. And so I would pray and I would think about, you know, it got to the point where I just forgot, left it. My dad's a wonderful man. We're going to go through life, but he'll never accept Christ. But he's a good person, and that's okay. Well, lo and behold, out of nowhere, my father finds Christ. Totally unexpected. Shocking to me. I'm like, what? This is the same guy that... It, 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 it amazed me. And it taught me never count somebody out. <laughs> you look at somebody, well, they'll never be a Christian. <laughs> you better wait. That's probably the next one God's going to call to himself. But I get it. If you have a loved one and they don't know Christ, it takes a lot of patience to wait for God to move in their life. We want to rush them into making a decision. Why don't you, why don't you come on? Well, well, why don't you get baptized? Well, well, why don't you do this? Why don't we have an altar call? All you people who don't know Christ, why don't you come on down here and let's get you saved. It takes patience. Because we want to rush them into making a decision for Christ. And the truth is, some of them will. And some of them won't. But what can we do? We can keep praying for them. Let God have room to do His work. Keep planting the seeds. That's what we're called to do. Plant the seeds. God causes the growth. My son Dustin, he's into gardening. He loves it. He's just not very good at it yet. He hasn't gotten into the, you got to keep the thing weeded. you got to keep the weeds out of the garden. I mean, it's like the jungle out there. So the first year he planted seeds, and I think we got maybe a, three or four gallons of beans, and that may have been it. Maybe a couple of tomatoes and a few peppers. Oh, no, we got tons of peppers. We're like, what are we going to do with all these peppers? we got hundreds of them. 
Okay, well, next year rolls around. He's going to change it up. This is, this is what I learned last year, so this year I'm going to do a little bit different. So he prepared the soil a little bit better. He, this time he put up a fence around it. This time he got tomato cages up. This time he did a lot of other little things. He tried to plant more of these things, less of these things. And whoosh, up it comes, and it's pretty cool. Still got a long way to go. But we're going to have a lot of tomatoes this year. That's a good thing. Okay. The point is, he didn't give up after that first batch was rotten. He didn't give up when the weeds took over his garden and decided, ah, forget this. He kept at it. He still works at it. He still thinks about it. He keeps planting the seeds, hoping and knowing that eventually it's going to pay off. I'm going to get the garden that I want if I keep planting those seeds. It's the same thing with people who need Jesus. We just got to keep planting the seeds. God will cause the growth. We live in a get-it-now kind of world. And for Christians, it can be a challenge to have to wait for our loved ones to join us at the cross. Like Christ, we are patiently to endure the waiting. If you're frustrated at a loved one, they haven't accepted Christ. So why can't they accept Jesus? I'm just by wit's end. Patiently endure this time of waiting. Trusting in Christ. Trusting that everything is exactly like it's supposed to be. Some of us need more ground tilled up than others. It takes time to prepare the soil to get a good crop. Give them that time. It took my dad 40 years, 45 years probably, of tilling and planting before he suddenly realized, you know what, being a good person isn't enough. I want to give my life to Christ. His life totally changed. Totally. My dad had been a, a massive beer drinker his whole life. He went dry. The man has self-control, like I can't believe. He visits people in prisons because he feels like he can uh, sympathize with them. Oh, you're drunk? I've been there. Oh, you've, you've been in fights, got arrested? I've been there. You've done this? I've been there. I know exactly how you feel. But let me tell you how I found Christ. And so now he's like the... Well, in the Methodist church, like the lay leader, lay... He's like the, the top elder, put it that way. Here's a guy, I'm like, every time I'd you know, have my Bible, you look at it kind of like, what you got there? I got my Bible, Dad, we're going to church. Neil's coming, we're going to go to church. Yeah, have fun with that. Have fun with that. All of us need to give God room to move. Give him that time and trust Christ. He patiently endured the cross, not just for forgiveness of sin, but to be an example of how to patiently endure trials. And he did that so that we would not grow weary when we patiently wait on the things of God. It can be frustrating. Let's endure it. Our Lord endured the cross. 
he demonstrates to us that patience is the ability to, to go through those trials, to go through those things and not grow weary. God is in control. God is sovereign. Let's be patient. Let God do his work. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, I thank you for the fruits of the Spirit. Lord, you know I'm not a very patient person. How many times have I rushed things in my life and just messed it up? But God, I thank you for the example of your Son. Not only because his death on the cross pardoned my sin and that of all my friends here today, but through that, he demonstrated what it meant to endure something, to be obedient to you. Help us to be patient with one another and love one another and to endure the trials as they come about. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word and for the privilege we have of worshiping together in this wonderful church. In Jesus' name, amen.